Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part episode on assessing ethics and compliance in mergers and acquisition. This podcast series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on managers ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit our podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In part one, we take a look at the whys, what's, and how's of an independent assessment in the M&A context. In part two, the impact M&A has on both the merged company and the parent. In part three, the need for an integration plan to be implemented. And in part four, oversight of merged companies, issues, and complications. Finally, in part five, we conclude with how mergers and acquisitions can benefit from an independent assessment. I know you will enjoy this five-part series and you will get quite a lot out of it. This five-part series on assessing ethics and compliance in mergers and acquisitions is a special series of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this part two, I'm joined by Don Stern, Managing Director, Corporate Monitoring and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors to discuss the impact M&A has on both the merged company and the parent corporation. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again, back for another episode. Today, I'm visiting with Don Stern. Don is the Managing Director, Corporate Monitoring Consulting at um, Affiliated Monitors. We're here today to visit on the impact of a merger and acquisition on the merged company and the parent. So, uh, Don, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, Glad to be with you, Tom. Don, uh, one of the things that I don't think people think about enough are the uh, inherent or certainly potential risks in the M&A situation on the culture of both companies. How would you help a client understand that risk and then begin to put in a risk management plan around it? Well, I think, you know, the, let me make one observation before before I answer directly your, your question, Tom, and that is I, I've been surprised. Uh, both when I was a federal prosecutor and then later a white-collar defense lawyer and now doing compliance and monitoring with affiliated monitors, that companies that are considering acquiring other companies spend huge amounts of resources to hire lawyers, investment bankers, accountants, and they scrub the financials and they look at income and they look at revenues and expenses, and they spend almost no time, in my experience, or very little time, in taking a look at issues like the ethical culture of the company to be acquired. And I've never quite understood, everyone understands the risk of any acquisition that the company picture may not work out quite as rosy as was expected. There may be some synergies that were expected from a expense point of view that don't quite work out. But one of the big risks is, uh, is with the merging and, and integration of a variety of systems, including ethical culture. And of course, um, 
what I think most companies probably intellectually know but don't quite fully absorb is something called successor liability. And that is, if there are real ethical problems, if there are compliance problems, if there are violations of the law, bribes, payoffs, corruption, anything along those lines, the company that acquires the other company will be responsible down the road as far as the Department of Justice and the SEC and other regulators are concerned. You can't throw up your hands and say, was it my company? It didn't happen on my watch. Once you acquire that other company, you wear it, you own it, and you're going to have to pay for it. Don, I often tell people that, um, in, at least in the FCPA world, if a company was uh, engaging in bribery and corruption before the merger, and they continue to do so after the merger, it's no longer them, it's now you. And uh, to your point exactly, that uh, I don't think companies take, take a look at those uh, issues very well. But uh, maybe if I could ask, what are some of the uh, risks that uh, can be mitigated and any strategies you might suggest companies uh, try to implement? Well, I think, I think by the way, there, there are some inherent risks in, in the whole process because the company that is about to be acquired, the management in particular, have a strong incentive to um, push the envelope when it comes to financial projections and, and other uh, areas. So um, the, the risk is uh, one needs to, the acquiring company needs to take a hard look at the representations that are being made, financial and otherwise. And the way to, to, to really die and really need to dive into the culture and compliance of the company, um, you know, they need to look at the policies and procedures. But more than that, they need to look at the human capital and talk to people, not just at the management upper level, not just the CFO, the CEO, uh, the IT people, but to really talk at, you know, the sales managers, the people out in the field. And that takes a little bit, it might take a little bit more time, and, and it can't always be done pre-merger, but as, as you allude to, if it's not done pre-merger or pre-acquisition, it has to be done very, very promptly, very thoroughly, and very diligently soon thereafter. Some of the things that uh, I think companies really miss on the being impacted uh, particularly occur in this first period after uh, a merger is closed. Uh, it's, it's either viewed as a honeymoon period, or if you're in the target that's been acquired, it may be the terror period, because you don't know uh, what your job status and job situation might mean. And I really want to, to say that as a lead into, I was wondering if you could provide some examples where uh, the merger and acquisition has either been positively or negatively, uh, has either positively or negatively impacted uh, the acquired company or even uh, the parent or purchaser. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. So we, we were involved uh, in, in a, it in a, uh, wasn't part of a monitorship, but we were involved in taking a look at a major engineering company, the international company that had acquired uh, a smaller company uh, in, in the South in the Louisiana, uh, Mississippi area. And I think the acquiring company thought that because they were the, you know, 800 pound gorilla and they were, you know, had relatively well-tooled compliance programs that everyone, uh, in the smaller acquisition would jump on board and kind of get the signal. And what they fully totally missed was that this smaller company had been in existence for a number of years. They had their own culture, their own policies, their own people, and they weren't really paying attention to what the mothership was telling them. And it, it took really some very 
serious problems and a Department of Justice investigation for them to get the picture. Um, and we help provide that picture of, of the fact that uh, policies on paper, uh, training procedures that were done uh, online and things like that, frankly, were being either ignored or uh, either intentionally ignored or just or really weren't being understood. So that was a that was a, a story that really uh, where the integration really was woefully inadequate. By contrast, well, we did something fairly recently where we were brought in again on a proactive basis. This wasn't part of any kind of government settlement or monitorship by a, a medical uh, a company that, that provides uh, medical dental and medical services, and they had make some, made some acquisitions in the in the Midwest and asked us to go in to see how it was going. And there, the tone was so strong at the top, the training was very much focused on quickly integrating physicians and dental assistants and dentists uh, into the program. And it was made easy for them to do that. So that although we provided some, uh, I think, helpful suggestions to how it might be better, by and large, the program was working well. And, and we certainly reported back to management uh, at, at, the, uh, at the, the parent company that their efforts to integrate really what had been disparate cultures was moving along quite nice and was very successful. Integration phase, uh, I guess I've just seen too many companies uh, not ask the questions that you suggested or have been suggested in terms of pre-acquisition. So when they get to the integration phase after closing, it's literally the first time uh, they have uh, been exposed to uh, the former target, now their subsidiary's culture. How can you help a company um, not uh, really assess, but uh, move to that integration uh, phase? Is there a way that an independent integrity monitor can help smooth out that process in the integration phase? I think so. And, and, and part of it, of course, is having a plan, uh, having the desire to do it Quickly, you know, we have found there is, and you sort of alluded to this. There's a little bit of a, uh, of a, of, I wouldn't call it a standoff, but a little bit of a concern both from the acquirer and the acquiree about who, you know, what's going on. Is my life going to be different? Are the rules going to be different? And so we found that an independent third party like us that comes in um, with some credibility and, and with some experience that 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 people will talk to us in a way that really is very helpful. Uh, to the to the company, the acquiring company, they will tell us that um, you know we don't understand what this training is all about. We don't understand why we're being trained on this because it doesn't seem to um, to be fit with with our job description, or we don't know why they're looking at this area when the real risk area is is in this country, and we don't know why resources are being provided there. So the third party uh, is, is really just part of the team. You know, we don't necessarily we don't suggest that we come in you know, as a, as a lone ranger without regard to other efforts to integrate IT, human resources, legal. But this is just a piece of the puzzle. And again, I think particularly when it comes to ethics and compliance, time and culture, that having that third-party independence uh, really lets people open up and, and, and give some, gives a window into how the integration process is going and how it can be improved. You know, Don, I'd like to follow up on that because I think that's a really significant point that you've raised, which is the independent third-party nature of, of what AMI brings in this situation. And and 
having visited with you guys and talked to and understood that people are more comfortable with a truly independent in communicating both inbound and outbound, telling you things and listening to what you're saying. And what I've heard you say is that that works as strongly in the post-acquisition integration context. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 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 it does. Uh, and, and I, I want to just return, though, to the pre-acquisition thing. I'm just make one point, if I can, Tom. And that is, if, you, if, if the acquiring company weaves in ethics and compliance as one of the things that really is, is a, the prerequisite, before the deal goes through. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to reinvent the wheel. So they have, for example, accountants and, and, and other people looking over the books and records of the company to be acquired. But the question is, are they looking at it through the right lens? Are they looking at it not just in terms of how robust are the revenues and what's the revenue stream look like? And is there a way for us to, uh, to uh, trim expenses and to look for some synergies of, of expenses? But what do the payments look like? I mean, how many independent agents do they have in India and China? And what are the, the payments there look like? What are they doing with third-party agents? Are they doing any due diligence or any training for third-party agents? So it's not always a question of, of, of a brand new uh, set of considerations. It's sometimes a, a question of integrating those considerations and, and educating the acquiring company as to what they should be looking for. Well, Don, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting with Don Stern. We've been taking a look at the impact on M&A has on both the merged company and the parent. Uh, Don, thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and I hope uh, everyone will join us uh, for our next episode, which will be on the integration plan. Don, thank you again. Okay, thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you will join me in our next episode where we take a look at the need for an integration plan to be implemented. This special series on assessing ethics and compliance in mergers and acquisitions sponsored by Affiliated Monitors is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.